So we've been talking about the fivefold ministry. Would you say fivefold ministry? ministry? The fivefold ministry is necessary. The fivefold ministry is for today. If you do not understand the fivefold ministry, you will be confused, especially here at our Father's house. You are going to need a firm grasp and understanding on the fivefold ministry in order to partner with the vision that God has given us here. Are you with me? So if you don't understand, it won't be for a lack of teaching. It won't be for a lack of explanation. Honestly, it might be because the fivefold ministry makes us uncomfortable. The fivefold ministry stirs up feelings of insignificance or even ignorance. But the fivefold ministry of apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers, those five ministries are given to the church to equip us for the work of service. So you have the one-man ministry, which much of the church is built on, but we understand that there's a five-fold ministry. There's a multifaceted expression of the ministry of Christ that God has given in the earth, and the sooner that we can recognize, honor, and embrace the five-fold ministry, the better off we will all be. I want you, if you're willing, not under compulsion, but I want you right now to confess, I need the fivefold ministry. I need the fivefold ministry. We need the fivefold. Without the expression of the fivefold ministry in the church, we will be left immature. We will be left sleeping, lazy, dumb, and deaf. We need it all. Every expression, every invitation of God's kingdom. Wherever we find it, we want to bless it. So what you're looking at up here on this board, last week we launched from 1 Corinthians 12, and this is a breakdown. So God has given us the gifts of the Holy Spirit, which these are just the nine that are listed in 1 Corinthians 12, 7 through 11. There are other lists in Romans 12, 1 Peter 4. I did not put those up there. Maybe I can later. And the ministries are given by Jesus Christ. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. Each of these five ministries, they express the ministry of Jesus himself. So let's start with the easiest one to recognize. Did you know that Jesus was a shepherd? Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. First Peter, he writes, he's the chief shepherd. So Jesus is the shepherd and guardian of our souls. So the shepherding ministry of Jesus, as you read the Gospels and you understand the life of Christ, if you have a revelation of the fivefold ministry, you begin to see Jesus functioning as an apostle in some instances, as a prophet in other instances, as a shepherd. So when Jesus is looking out at the crowds and it says they're helpless and harassed and he feels compassion for them, because they're like what? Sheep without a shepherd. And he's standing there as the good shepherd, wanting to shepherd the people. So when Jesus is feeding the 4,000 and the 5,000, he's acting as the shepherd and he's meeting their natural needs and then he's teaching them and shepherding them into the kingdom of God. Because we don't want to just meet people's natural needs, amen? That's called philanthropy and it all burns up. Doing good things for people that are in need without a gospel component is a waste of time. Quote me on Facebook, someone won't like it. 
We like to do good things for people in need to make ourselves feel better. But if you don't offer them eternal life through Jesus Christ, you might as well stay home. So Jesus is the good shepherd. We understand he's the teacher. Obviously, he taught throughout the Gospels. He was always teaching. But he wasn't just teaching in his words. He was modeling the life of the kingdom in everything that he said and did. He was the manifestation of the fullness of God. It says that the fullness of deity was dwelling in bodily form in the person of Christ. Jesus was an evangelist. He came to seek and save that which is lost. He went to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He came to bring those who were far off and to draw them in to himself. He carried in his person the ministry of reconciliation to bring those who are away and pull them in close to God. He was evangelizing even in teaching and shepherding the crowds. When he's cleansing the temple, I see him as a prophet who's angry and upset at the idolatry in God's house. And he's cleansing and restoring the purpose of the house of the Lord saying, no, my father's house shall be a house of prayer. He was the apostle of our confession. That's what Hebrews 3.1 says. Yes, the Bible says that Jesus was an apostle. It wasn't just that he had the twelve around him. It was that he himself was apostolic in nature because he was sent from the Father to earth to do all that the Father gave him to say and do. He was fulfilling divine purpose. He was establishing a new kingdom. He was inaugurating a new covenant. That's Christ functioning apostolic. Are you with me? I know this is unfamiliar, so I'm trying to go slow. You need to see that the fullness of the fivefold ministry is wrapped up in the person of Jesus Christ. And he has given the fivefold ministry to the church so that he might be rightly represented, so that he might be clearly seen. So if each one of us has a small portion or gift or those that are called to the fivefold ministry have a diversity of grace upon their lives, can you already see the problem with the one man ministry? Suppose you have a brother who's incredibly gifted. Let's say he's a prophet and he refuses to relinquish the pulpit because he has to get his needs met because deep down he feels insignificant without ministry. So he's going to keep preaching and keep teaching and keep leading. He's not just going to be an orphan. He's going to be a orphan. He's going to be prostituted for his gifts so that you'll pay attention to him. Yes, I said it. It's all over the place. People that need ministry, what happened in COVID? We lost our congregations and all the pastors wanted to quit because we were getting our needs met by people and not by God. Because we prioritize ministering to people over ministering to God. A few of us are awake this morning. Praise the Lord. Say he's a prophet, he's a great teacher, but he won't share. He won't make room for, he won't honor, he won't bring in. Do you know even why the gifts of the Holy Spirit, much of it doesn't function in the body of Christ today? It's because of fear that manifests in control. How can your service run over if you don't have an end time? Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Some of you were like, you took a burning coal and put it to my lips. (laughs) That was an Isaiah 6 reference, praise the Lord. What's he talking about, Chick-fil-A again? 
Of course I am. I had a dream about it. They gave me priority in the drive-thru. <laughs> so favor ain't fair. Order for Paul, that's me. So the fivefold ministry is given to the church to equip us, to grow us up, to cause us to be like Jesus. So we would say within the fivefold ministry, everyone has grace given to us by God. All of us have grace given to us, but there are some whom God by his own choosing and his own will. This isn't because you were smart enough, holy enough, cool enough, attractive enough. None of that matters to God. By his own choosing and his own will, he has elected some and given them a super abundance of his grace that they might share it with the people around them. This is why if you think you're called to the fivefold ministry and you're not a blessing to the people around you, you're either a fraud or you're not functioning or you're too selfish to benefit other people. How many Bible wizards have I met? They know every cross-reference and they can take you to every special commentary, but their wife doesn't like them. That's a fail. So you can teach the scriptures, but you can't model the principles therein? See, God is after the purification of his bride. And he's cleansing the fivefold ministry in this hour. He's restoring the fivefold ministry to the church. He's restoring the language and the understanding of it so that we would cry out for, hey, we don't just want the whole one-man entertainment deal because here's your options. You either get equipped by the fivefold ministry for the work of service, or you get entertained for the work of lip service. You get equipped for the work of service, which is ministry, or you get entertained for the work of lip service. We came in, you get trained under the one-man show. You get trained, you get programmed, come in, here's what we want you to do. We want you to stand, we want you to sit, don't forget to tithe, make sure you're here. We'll get you in and get you out on time to go to things that are more important than God. And we'll all wink at each other, because we know, but we don't want to feel that conviction. Like I said, how can service go over if we don't have an end time? That type of stuff makes us uncomfortable though. Because it speaks to hunger. It speaks to priorities. It speaks to what really matters to us in our lives. Are you with me this morning? All right, so we've turned to Ephesians chapter 4. And I want to revisit a few things from last week, and then we'll launch into some more good stuff, hopefully. Ephesians chapter 4, let's begin reading again in verse 7. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift, according to the portion and quantity of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. So when Jesus ascended, he's given grace to everyone. When he ascended, he announced a holy jailbreak and he's given gifts 
to those whom he chooses. So here's the deal. When you begin to teach this stuff, when you begin to share about the varieties of expressions of gifts and graces, here comes comparison to flood into your heart and rob you and tell you about everything you don't have. Because here's the deal. Not everybody has a five-fold ministry, but if you don't honor and express your need for them, you will not be able to receive from them. And their love gifts to the body of Christ to help us all grow up. Even if you're a part of the fivefold ministry, you still need other fivefold ministers in your life. This isn't a super club. This isn't the green berets. We're servants unto the Lord's body. How can we help you? How can we serve you? How can we benefit you? God is dealing with apostolic elitism in this hour. Everybody wants to be an apostle because they think the apostles are the numero uno and we're the big dogs and you know, stop it. First Corinthians 4, 1, let me clean it up for you. It says, let a man, this is Paul, the apostle. Do you recognize Paul as an apostle? He's a fivefold apostle. He's not an apostle of the Lamb. He's not one of the twelve. He's a fivefold apostle, ascension gift given to the body. And he says, let a man regard us as this, servants and stewards of the mysteries of God. So apostles that don't serve are frauds. Apostles that don't finish last are playing games and using the body of Christ to get their needs met. True apostles don't have an entourage. They don't have armor bearers. They have sons and daughters who they're raising up and saying, do it better, do it farther, take it higher than I ever could. Because that's the fathering heart of Jesus that gets expressed through apostles' lives. Are you with me? All right, so let's keep having fun. This point I put up here last week. I want to continue to expound. Number one, this was from last week. We are all equally valuable to God with different grace and function. This is not a matter of value. Like I said, this isn't a super club who's in and who's out. We're all of equal value, but we have different functions. We have different roles within the body. Someone say amen. Amen. Can I give you a word of wisdom when it comes to this? You need to find out who you are before pursuing what God has called you to. So let me put it like this. Identity is the foundation for ministry. We lay ministry, the call, on top of your identity. The problem is when you flip those two and you make ministry the foundation. What am I called to? Let me find out so I can get busy doing it. And you don't know who you are in the Lord. Your ministry will become your identity. And the two will fuse together and you will become insecure and competitive and comparative. And the call of God, which was given to you to bless others, will actually fracture you and contaminate the people around you. So find out who you are before you pursue the calling stuff. You got to have that foundation. You got to be willing to do it, but not need it. Number two, God has given everyone grace in different kinds and measures. We have different kinds of grace. You have different kinds or different measures of the prophetic, of the apostolic. 
of the evangelistic. You have some expressions of evangelism where these people are highly gifted and trained and they roll around in an RV and they win souls all across the country and baptize people in creeks and rivers and pools and you name it. And that's the expression of the evangelistic grace of Jesus upon their lives. And then you have other people who are called evangelists who preach the gospel in prisons and win souls and they're more anointed talking to inmates than they are parishioners because that's the call of God upon their life. That's their sphere of influence. So when you begin to see the diversity, it helps us to celebrate and honor rather than compare. We need to start giving thanks for the grace. See, criticism kills this stuff. You're, you're doing it wrong. Maybe they're doing it exactly how the Lord trained them to do it, and you want them to wear Saul's armor. Come on. All right, seven of us. Come on. Praise the Lord. We only need 120. I want to read this quote to you. This is from Fight the Good Fight, a, a book I wrote a lifetime ago. I believe it'll help you because I'm a better writer than I am a speaker. What is the grace that God has uniquely given to you? Furthermore, if you remain ignorant of His grace upon your life, how can you be a blessing to others the way He intended? A simple way to discover the specific gifts you've received is to identify the things you do that make you feel alive. For example, if feeding the homeless excites you and you are deeply moved with compassion when you're around them, that signifies grace. If feeding the homeless sounds difficult, but you dream of sharing the gospel overseas, therein probably is your calling. If the thought of preaching a sermon terrifies you, somebody say amen. But giving away money to those in need is thrilling, then be generous as the Holy Spirit leads you. If he has graced you in a specific way, you will not have to force it. Striving to discover and walk in your divine calling is a worthwhile pursuit. It is also a quest that the enemy will seek to deceive and distract you from pursuing. Fear will hold you back and keep you limited if you let it. Faith is the key to fulfilling your calling to step out, so be a blessing to others. Timothy was taught well and the father expected him to train people who would be able to teach others also. 2 Timothy 2.2 2. If you are prophetic, encourage people in their walk and show others how to prophesy. If you're administrative, create organized systems in your church or workplace that increase efficiency and can be replicated. If you're evangelistic, make disciples who make disciples. If you are generous, provoke others to greater faith in their finances through your benevolent example each of us must hear directly from the father about our gifting for ourselves there is no substitute for personally hearing his voice that can suffice has anybody not read this and you want to read it there you go Julianne I saw your hand first you can come up and get this later alright you can come up now praise the Lord come on down the price is right woo Some of you guys bought it years ago and didn't read it. I bless you in Jesus' name. 
That's really just a joke. There's nothing behind it. Some people gave up before they got to day 40. It's a 40-day devotional. I'm like, come on, man. I saved the best for last. That's a crescendo, and you walked out of the symphony before we struck the note. Did I get all that musical language right? Close enough. All right. Does that make sense to you? What do you do? You feel alive. You don't look at this board and try to be one of them. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Interpretation of tongues. <laughs> Listen, if there's a corporate tongue that's given and you get nothing, don't make stuff up. <laughs> Somebody's got something from the Lord, you just trust the body. <laughs> Some of you, though, you get the interpretation and you let fear snuff it out. That's more common than the former. Number three, another important point, is that Jesus ascended in order to fill all things with himself. So Jesus is the fullness of the fivefold ministry. And what he is after is an apostolic, prophetic, evangelistic, shepherding, and teaching people. He wants us to grow up in such a way where we begin to express that grace that we've received through faithful, character-tested, five-fold ministers that have helped us grow into all He wants us to be. So if you're a called prophet and you don't teach other people how to prophesy and how to hear the voice of the Lord, quite frankly, what are you doing? It would be like a plumber that says, you know what, I'd rather be a real estate agent. No, 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 you don't sell homes. You put the piping in because we need hot water in the house of God. Are you with me? Everyone functioning together in their lane. You don't have to try or strive to be something. It's a grace that God has given you. It will naturally manifest as you serve. Not as you seek the microphone and wait for every opportunity. Many times in my life, I have just literally taken my hands off and then the Lord will come to me. You know that you can end up ministering in places that God never authorized you to? He never sent you. It was ambition that drove you. It was a lack of identity and you were trying to find it in ministry. You were trying to be something. Proverbs says that a man's gift will make room for him. The grace on your life will open the right doors at the right time. Just trust the Lord. Just say, Father, I'm here. I'm in the waiting. I'm going to be ready in season and out of season. I've never asked to preach anywhere in my entire life. That's a no-no. All right, it's quiet in here. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Nobody just asked to preach last week or something. <laughs> That would be awful of me. I would never do that. We'd address you directly. Hallelujah. Okay, so look over here. We have five ministries, five missions, and five results. We're going to begin to break down more of the text. So if you keep reading in Ephesians 4, verse 10, it says, He who descended is he himself who also ascended far above the heavens. Why? That he might fill all things with himself. See the connection here. He's filling all things with himself, and he gave some as apostles. Verse 11. Here, here's your five ministries. It's not a mystery. 
Five ministries. One, apostles. Two, prophets. Three, evangelists. Four, shepherds. Five, teachers. These are the five ministries given by Jesus. What are they given for? Well, it's amazing. We don't have to guess. The Bible tells us. Somebody say amen. amen. Thank God we don't have to make stuff up. We can just read the word and let it speak and let it preach. Why has he done this? For the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Okay, hold on a second. So we have five ministries. What are they? Somebody say them. Praise the Lord. Each of these express the ministry of Christ himself, but in small portion and quantity. So I said this last week. You can't get an apostle, a prophet, an evangelist, a shepherd, and a teacher in a room and go, now we got Jesus. <laughs> That's a good start. That's better than just having a shepherd or a teacher by himself, by herself. It's the fullness of all apostles and prophets and evangelists and shepherds and teachers for all time that encompass the presence and the power and the efficacy of Christ Jesus. That should show you how big and wonderful Jesus really is. See, we get the anointing on us, though. We get in the flow and we're like, man, I got it going on. And we need to remember... Small, small, small. And if the Lord wanted to, he could just put your light out. So you have five ministries. What are the five missions? Well, praise the Lord. Once again, we don't have to make stuff up. We're not going to reinvent the wheel. Number one is to equip the saints for the work of service. Some of your Bibles may say the work of ministry. That's fine. The word there is diakonoi. Diakonos, deacon. What do deacons do? They serve. They serve. So you're getting equipped for what? For service. So those that are of the fivefold ministry that don't serve, how can they equip you to serve if they themselves are not serving? I'm addressing the elitism, the overlord thing that's in the body where we're the big diggity doodah and you're the people that just listen to us do the grand poobah thing. <laughs> I loathe it. I hate it. How many of you like experiencing condescension? Does that feel good when someone talks down to you? So when we train brothers and sisters to preach, we train them in, it's a we and it's a us. You don't preach at people. You don't say, you need to... No. You say, we, we all need help because we're in this together. Even when the people of Israel are rebelling against God, Moses says, we are an obstinate people. He begins to intercede on behalf of Israel. And the times where he does get into, you guys aren't doing, guess what? God ain't happy. Don't you get that self-righteous thing in you? Hey, we're the only ones doing it, right? Now listen, we're doing the best we can with what we have. Everybody's doing the best they can with what they know. Unfortunately, there's not a lot of revelation and light and clarity on the fivefold ministry, but it's coming, says the Spirit of God. 
He's restoring it in these last days to the church that we might mature and grow up. So he's equipping us for the work of ministry, which is service. I'm glad we get it. Praise the Lord. Number two, for the building up of the body of Christ. So each of these ministries build up. There's a building up and there's a building into. There's a betterment. There's an enrichment that happens because of the ministry of the fivefold ministry in the church. So perhaps we're so lowly, perhaps things are so desolate, perhaps people are so discouraged because of the absence of true fivefold ministers. Now this is Paul's personal opinion, this is not doctrine, but this is just what experience has shown me. If I had to put a percentage of fivefold ministers that are actually ministering in health to the body, I would say it's about 20%. About one in five are actually healthy enough, have the right character, have their life and family in line where they're able to minister to the body and be a blessing. And if I'm anywhere close, even if I'm way off and it's 50%, that's still half of the ministries that Christ has given to equip and to build up that we're missing. That would be like having a job so big where we need those five plumbers, but only two showed up for work today. So the work is going to take a whole lot longer because we don't have everybody putting their hand to the plow. We have people running and hiding and pretending and chasing after sin and women and all these things when God has given us grace to equip the saints, to build them up. So I'm going to begin to bring some distinctions. I have a lot of these and I don't want to overwhelm you. So I've chosen just a few today to help you. But I'm going to write down here, I wrote here, to the building up of the body. And I'm going to capture this word up. And I'm going to distinguish between apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers what each of them do. So here's the deal. Apostles... Their ministry, and I'm just generalizing, okay, so you got to hang with me, but it helps us for distinction's sake. So apostles, they have a word that they're transmitting, and that word is grow up. Somebody say amen. amen. Prophets, they're going to tell you to wake up. Prophets have an alarming and awakening thing. Apostles are going to call you into maturity and function. Evangelists, you're going to like this one. Giddy up. <laughs> Shout out to Ross. Giddy up, cowboy. Because why? Because evangelists want you to giddy up and go. You ever heard an evangelist minister and you're like, we got to go win the loss right now. We're going to skip lunch and go to the grocery store and tell somebody about Jesus. And on the way there, we're going to repent because it's been six months since we did it. That's the ministry. That's the infusion of grace that happens when you get the giddy up. Shepherds, what do they want you to do? They want you to heal up. See, true shepherds that start churches, they struggle because they just want everybody to be healthy. We just want to get all your, all your, all your childhood stuff addressed, all your wounds looked at, and that there's room for that. But there's more. You see the problem. Teachers, what do they want you to do? They want you to study up. You better read your Bible. 
What do you mean it's been three weeks since you read your Bible? You need to study. Not only do you need to read, you need to study the Word of God. You need to know the adjectives. You need to know the synonyms. You need to know cross-references. You need to understand the Word of God. And you begin to get under the ministry of a teacher and you realize, man, I need a Bible revival. I need the Word of God in my life. Jesus, He didn't fight the devil with willpower. He quoted Scripture. How can you fight if you don't know the Word? So you need to study up. You see how all these things are beneficial and good? We need to grow up. We need to wake up. We need to giddy up and heal up and study up. But let's have a moment of honesty, can we? A few of us are ready to be honest. Glory to God. A couple of these feel good. A couple of them don't. So what do we do? We kick the ones that don't feel good out of the church. Tell me to get healed. Tell me to read my Bible. Even if I'm ah, too busy. You start telling people to grow up and wake up. They're like, you better shut your mouth. I like my bed. It's a sleep number. The devil bought it for me. I like my slumber. You know, alarms are inherently rude. <laughs> I'm glad we're having fun this morning. So we learn from, first, from John chapter 1, from the first verse. And then in 14, it says that Jesus is the Word. The Word ain't the Bible, it's Jesus, the living Word. He's the Logos of God. So in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. And verse 14 says, The Word became flesh and He dwelt among us and we beheld His glory. Glory is of the only begotten God. He's from the Father. No one's seen the Father, but He's full of that grace and truth that gets manifested. So Jesus is the Word. And each of the five are Word ministries. They transmit the Word of life to the people. And as a play on words, they also have a word ministry that's unique to them. They have a vein or a lane that begins to appeal to them that they minister out of. So let me make it plain for you. This doesn't mean it's impossible, okay? Again, I'm not trying to categorize in a negative way. I'm trying to distinguish to help us see and understand. I hope that's clear. But you are going to have a difficult time finding a true prophet who wants to minister from John 10 about Jesus being the good shepherd. Matter of fact, a lot of prophets get stuck. They try to teach, but really because of the grace on their lives, they're frustrated and they just want to take a passage of Scripture and launch. So my dad, Pops, who ministered here for years, he's a prophet of God. I, he would text me, yeah, can we add these seven points to the PowerPoint? And I'd text him back, $100 if you get through all seven. <laughs> he would get to one, maybe two, and then just explosion because the prophetic grace inside of him was like boom but when you get saddled and you have an expectation of this is what it's supposed to look like you end up trying to be something other than who Jesus made you to be all right let's keep going 
How about number three? Attaining to the unity of the faith. So God wants us united in faith. And this is a result of the fivefold ministry being given. Now, I don't want you to miss the first word of verse 13 because it's highly important. It says that apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers have been given to equip the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. What's next? Somebody say it. Until. What's that mean? The Greek word is makri, and it means until. (laughs) It's a time word. So if I said, I'm going to do jumping jacks until three seconds has passed, and then I stop doing jumping jacks because until three seconds. So if God has given these five ministries until these things, then we have no business saying that they're no longer for today. Because here's the deal. People can point to 1 Corinthians 13 and do all kinds of terrible hermeneutical jumping jacks over the gifts of the Spirit and why they're not for today and the sufficiency of Scripture. I'm like, I believe the sufficiency of Scripture. Sola Scriptura is the reason why I want to walk in power because these things are in the Word. So you can, have, you can do all kinds of weird Hebrews 1, he gave the Son, and you know, speaking in the Son, they do all, it's hilarious. I mean, oh my goodness gracious. You guys are incredible expositors, and you exegete so well, and then you get to these passages, and you just read in what you want, because you don't want to recognize and honor the other ministries that God has given. But this explicitly says that these ministries are given until... So I have a question for you. Do you think that we've attained the unity of the faith? With 600 plus denominations? Oh, we're real unified, not? No, the division is higher than ever. Why? Because the fivefold ministry is sleeping. Also, until we know fully the knowledge of the Son of God. And lastly, maturing to the stature of Christ's fullness. So you got to ask yourself, the fivefold ministry is given until we attain to the unity of the faith, we know the full, thorough, and accurate knowledge experiencing the Son, and we've matured to the stature of Christ's fullness. Has that happened? Let's all be honest, not even close. So what business do we have saying these ministries aren't for today? We do not. And we violate scripture. And you can claim sola scriptura all you want, but you're making exceptions for your own theology because you've been influenced by a doctrine of demons that has deceived you. So these ministries are given. This is their mission. This is why they're given. So the fivefold expresses the nature, the ministry of Jesus, equip you for service, build you up with their unique expression of what God has given them for unity, for growing in the knowledge and the stature of the maturity of Christ Jesus, for understanding who He really is. The reason why worship is so poor in the body is because the fivefold has not revealed Christ to her. I put it on the fivefold. 
The reason why so many saints are bored in worship and we want to be entertained with a laser light show is because we can't see Jesus. We can't hear the voice of the Spirit because we've not been equipped and built up because we're still immature. We're still sleeping. We're still lazy. We're still out to lunch somewhere. But the fivefold calls us into the heart of God and says now is the time to grow up in Him, to win people to Him, to heal of your wounds, and teach other people the commands of Jesus. So they have five missions. Five ministries, five missions. Isn't this so easy? I love the Word of God. I didn't miss any and I didn't make any up. Imagine that. How about the five results? Look at verse 14. So they're given until these things. So we know they're for today. As a result, verse 14... We are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness in deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into Him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by that which every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. All right, that was a mouthful. So now we're going to break it down. Number one, what are the results? It's about maturity. Why? Because we're no longer to be children. We're to grow up. We're to be a body that matches the head. Who is Jesus? Number two, stability. Not tossed by every wind and wave of doctrine. Did you know that the body of Christ has fads? We have things we start loving and gravitating towards and having conferences about, and they're just fads. They're just fun. We've been influenced by the culture of the world and by the fleshly appetites of people. So we start catering to what sells. Just this week, working with a publisher about a book on fathering. And it's like, well, that doesn't really sell books. I guess we're not after maturity or stability. We're after sales. At least they were honest. As this stuff is everywhere. The appetites of the body of Christ are sick. We're so unstable, so unhealthy, because rather than receiving from the word and growing up, we want to play with our toys and be tossed by every wind and every wave. If the word of God says it, I believe it and I'm obligated to practice it. I don't get a choice. I gave up my rights when I said yes to Jesus. It's no longer I who live. It's Christ who lives in me. I was just telling the Lord this week, Father, I feel like my life, and he stopped me and said, it's not your life, it's mine. Is it just me? I am possessed by Jesus. The Holy Spirit lives in me and what he says goes. I don't get to do what I want to do. I don't get to go where I want to go. I go where he goes. I do what he says. We didn't even get to name our children what we wanted to name them. Because God gave us their name and we said, you're in charge. They belong to you. We just have them on loan. 
We're going to raise them for you and they're going to return to you and they're going to stand before you, not with mommy and daddy, making excuses for them. Woo. Number three is truthing and love. I read it and it says speaking the truth in love. It's just an inaccurate translation because we don't know what to do in Greek with the word truth when it's used as a verb. So in Greek, don't let me bore you, I'll make it simple. Aletheia is the Greek word, the noun for truth. Here it's aletheuo, which is a verb. We don't use truth as a verb in English. Are you with me? But here it quite literally reads, truthing it in love. So it's not just our speech that's supposed to be in truth and love. No, it's every aspect of our lives is supposed to be saturated in truth. Why? Because God hates deception and lies. Because the gospel liberates us of our falsehood and puts us into the knowledge of the truth who is Christ Jesus. So we're mature, we're stable, we're truthing and in love. And number four, the body is fitted and held together. These are the results of the fivefold being given and fulfilling their missions as the body begins to see, hey, we need one another. And we start getting joined and fitted together. The pieces in the house of God begin to take place and we realize everyone has a role and a function. And it's not just speaking on a Sunday morning. That's church culture. We've told people you're not fulfilling your calling if you're not preaching and it's a lie from the pit of hell. Number five, you're fitted together, held together, and lastly, you're functioning together because it's that which every joint supplies. So the body begins relating, cohering, supporting one another, not merely speaking the truth, but living in the light of the truth. She's not tossed here and there by every wind of doctrine. Let me give you another distinction to help us. I have another one over here on the board. I'm going to give you an A. Apostles, what do they do? They activate. Somebody say, Holy Spirit, activate. (laughs) That's what I was hearing in my head. Cleanse me, Lord. (laughs) Prophets, awaken. Like I said, I have a lot of these and I don't want to overwhelm you. Evangelists apprehend so they can add. Shepherds affirm. Remember, shepherds are going to make you feel like a million dollars. You are so important to God. You're so loved by God. Have you read this book about the love of God? We need it all. Teachers, apply. You got to apply the word. You can't just know it. You got to apply it to your life. So when you begin to recognize the fivefold and their function, it sets you up to honor them properly and receive from them because again, what you don't honor, you can't receive from. The minute that dishonor creeps into your heart towards a leader or towards someone in authority in your life, the grace of God that's flowing through them is going to get cut off. It's going to meet your dishonor and fall to the ground and you won't be able to hear what they're really saying. You'll build up an offense and you'll get led astray. It happens all the time. 
I like what Derek Kirkman says. He says you either want to understand or you don't. You either ask for clarity and clarifying questions or you walk away offended. So the reason why the body is immature, asleep, lazy, wounded, and ignorant is because of the absence of true fivefold ministers who are bringing Christ to the body. So I want you to say it with me again. I need the fivefold ministry. You can have the one-man ministry, but I'll pass. We're going to pass on the one-man ministry here. We're going to embrace the fivefold in her fullness. We're going to invite people. This is what 2023 looks like. It looks like more expressions of grace. It looks like getting exposed to the wider body of the Lord. It looks like intentionally seeking God together as a family, growing up and being fitted together, every joint supplying what is needed so there's no lack in this house. Because that's God's destiny. That's the Father's best for us, and this is our Father's house. It belongs to Him. We're not free to do it any other way. We're going to build how he builds. And when we recognize he's given the fivefold ministry to the church for these beautiful purposes, when we understand that we need the fivefold, it sets us up for a lifetime of growth and stability and success in our walk with God. Would you stand with me? Father, would you prepare us? Would you ready us? Would you stir us? Would you cultivate fresh hunger? Would you begin to pray with me? Don't listen to me pray. Just begin to pray. Lord, stir us up. Would you activate us? Would you awaken us? Would you agitate us? Would you stir us up, Lord? Would you cause us to be hungry and thirsty for righteousness? Lord, would you heal us of our wounds so that we can go forward in you? Would you help us, Lord? Would you awaken, even in your body, prophets and apostles and evangelists and shepherds and teachers? We call them forth in Jesus' name. Would you go and get them out of their sin, out of their complacency, and bring them into the house of God once again? Would you heal their wounds of rejection and abandonment and despair and discouragement and raise them up in this hour that we might embrace all that you're saying and all that you're doing, Lord, we honor the fivefold ministry. We bless and confess our need for what you've given to the body, Lord. We receive from you through those whom you've anointed in the mighty name of Jesus. We honor you and we thank you, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen.